grab your Bibles, Philippians chapter number 3 this morning. Philippians chapter number 3. We'll read responsibly verses 7 through 14. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse number 7. I'll read verse number 7 out loud, and then you'll join me on verse number 8. We'll alternate down through verse number 14. Philippians chapter number 3 this morning, beginning in verse number 7. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 3, and verse number 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And let's pray, Lord, we love you. We thank you for the enjoyable time we've experienced this morning. What a powerful reminder that one day we'll stand before you and receive the reward for our life on earth. Or those rewards will not be tainted if they are spiritual or eternal. Only those temporal and physical things will vanish away. May the message this morning point our, point our minds and our hearts to the importance of living for you today. So when we stand before you one day, we will not be ashamed. Fill the preacher now with the Holy Spirit's power. May we be yielded. May our minds be focused on the truth. We'll ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Keep your Bibles open to Philippians 3. We'll come back to it in just a moment. I realize I'm in the pulpit a few minutes later. I'll be good to you and we'll be out on time. My entire, I didn't tell you what time that was though, by the way, uh, my entire adult life has been spent working with people and their problems. Let me say something here that will not be a shock to you. I am not God. I do not know everything. No comments. But I would say that my 35 plus years of experience in helping people in their problems and 42 years of preaching probably gives me an above average ability to help people. Uh, I'm not talking about psychology. I'm talking about using that old black book right there, the King James Bible, and seeing God change people's lives. I think I have a higher than average ability to help people because of that. Now, please listen to me. These first few minutes are very foundational. If you misrepresent what I'm about to say, you're going to be lost in the sermon. 
I have found one common thing. People are people. It doesn't matter their color, their nationality, what part of the country they're from, whether they're from the north, the south, the east, the west, whether their name ends in E or Ski. It doesn't matter if they're Polak, German. doesn't matter if they're white, black, green, purple, chartreuse. doesn't matter anything. People are people. All people are sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. But all people also are creatures of habit. Now, we don't all have the same habits. Most have the same habit of eating every day. And some have a bigger habit than others. But, uh, but people follow patterns. Uh, Mrs. Barnes, my secretary, she has a, a master's degree in dairy science. And she knows a good bit about cows. She's been in parts of cows that you don't want to be in. Uh, she just has to wear long gloves to get to it. Amen? Now, uh, <laughs> you say, preacher... Welcome to what, but she said something to me years ago. She said, preacher, it amazes me that you know people like a farmer knows cows. Cows have personalities and they they do different things. And she said, you study people like a farmer does cattle. And that's true. I'm not calling you cows. Don't, <laughs> don't go there. She did. I didn't. Uh... It was a moving experience. Anyway, but after 35 years, when somebody starts down a certain path of life, I can just about tell you where it's going to end. Kind of like if you're going on a trip, I'll ask you what route you're taking. Because if you're going uh, if, if to go west and go to Kentucky... You're probably not going to go on 81 North and go through Pennsylvania. Uh, If you're going down to Florida, you're probably not going to take 70 West and head out to Denver before you go down to Florida. Just like there's roads that take you certain places, as I watch people make decisions, those decisions lead to certain endings, and I've watched it over and over and over and over and over again, and I can just about tell you where you're headed by what direction you're going. Now, I've found that there are three things in life that hurt people the most. There's not a person under the sound of my voice, if you're over the age of 10, that doesn't have hurts. I'm not talking necessarily physical. But you have some deep hurt in your life from somebody who has hurt you or something that's happened. Everyone in this room will be affected by at least one of these three areas. I promise you. If you haven't been, you will be. This isn't something that might happen from the youngest child in the room to the oldest adult sitting on the same row at opposite sides of the auditorium. How old are you, Will? Six? Seven. Man, you're getting old. 
to Brother Jim, who's 90, how old? I forget. Yeah. <laughs> But he's still sharp. Is it 91 or 92? 91? I thought so. I didn't forget. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, Y'all don't have to be crazy to be here, but it sure does help, let me tell you. Can I tell you something? From a child that young to a man in his senior days in his 90s, there's nobody in this room that will get out without being hurt by one of these three areas. Nobody. And probably more than one of the three areas. Many of you struggle with one of these. Some will struggle with two of these. Some you'll struggle with all three. But may I say something? Please don't get upset that life goes on whether you have a problem or not. Did you know life goes on whether I have a problem or not? <clears throat> the world does not stop just because you have a problem. I've preached hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of funerals in my ministry. The day I stood here behind this very piece of wood two and a half years ago and my mother's body lay right there. And I preached my own mother's funeral. Do you realize that life still goes on? I had preached a funeral two days before then. And I had preached church. I preached mom's funeral. And then Mrs. Diener's husband, I preached his memorial service the next day. Life goes on. Now listen to me very carefully here. Some will have problems with all three areas of, of these, these problems, but you say, preacher, what are these three things? The past, the present, and the future. The three areas of life where people will have problems are the past, the present, or the future. I just happen to have a Bible given by an eternal God who has given us an eternal Holy Spirit to guide us in all truth, who said, I'll help you if you let me. Amen. See, as a saved person, the Holy Spirit indwells me and works with that book right there that is all truth. Amen. And it transcends all ages, transcends gender, it transcends History, it's for all nationalities, it's for all people, it's the same no matter who you are. God didn't say, I love this person more than that person, or I love this race more than that race. Now, he had a chosen race, the Hebrew people, that was for which the, the lineage of Jesus would flow through, but God does not love the Hebrews more than he loves you and me. Everybody doing okay? Hang on, we're going somewhere. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ, the same, watch this, I love it. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Did you know that we have the same God that Adam had? Do you know we have the same Savior that Abraham had? Do you know that we have the same God that Noah had? 
You know that we have the same God that King David and Job and Daniel and Isaiah and Jeremiah had. We have the same God and the same Jesus as Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and the other disciples. I love what Acts chapter 1 verse number 9 says. The angel came to the disciples as Jesus ascended back to the heaven uh, after 40 days after the crucifixion. And he said to the disciples, why stand ye here gazing? For this same Jesus shall come in like manner. Go out, get busy. Quit standing here with your teeth in your mouth. Go out and do what he told you to do because the same Jesus is going to come back one day. I'm not looking for another Jesus. I'm looking for the same Jesus. I'm not looking for another God. I'm looking for the God. Now, since Jesus is the word of God, as our kids quoted in John chapter 1, verses 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And in verse 14 it says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the word of God. You go to the book of Revelation, it says his name is written, the word of God. Oh. So if Jesus is the word of God, and the Bible says that Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, guess what? The answers for you are the same as it was for the people in the Bible. Amen. We complicate it. Well, you're one of those King James Bible people. We have modern translations. Those are the same people that criticize me saying I'm not smart enough. But they have to have an easier Bible to understand. Now, wait a minute. If somebody that's not real smart can understand it, and you say you need an easier one, have you heard what you just said? (laughs) Did you know that life does not turn out exactly the way you thought it was going to? Look at the person you're sitting beside. They're saying that about you. (laughs) Good night. <laughs> Y'all thought that was pretty <laughs> too true, isn't it? You know, when you're a kid, you this week you want to be this, this week you want to be that, next week you want to be that. You graduate from high school, you got the answers to everything in life, and then you go to college and get messed up. If you are over the age of 25, life has not turned out the way you thought it was going to. I'll guarantee it. We are sinners. And every person around us are sinners. What chance do we have for everything to turn out the way we planned it? Now, I believe in planning. (laughs) My preacher taught me a long time ago, you fly by the seat of your britches, eventually something's going to hang out. (laughs) Listen to this statement. But even a perfect God didn't have everything turn out the way he planned. God did not plan for man to be a sinner. God did not plan and want us to follow the devil. God did not create hell for man. 
Man chose to follow the devil. Man chose to sin. And the Bible says that hell had to enlarge itself because God didn't plan for man to be there. Things in the Garden of Eden didn't turn out the way God planned. God never planned to destroy the world by a flood, but he had to. God didn't plan for the Israelites to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. He planned on them taking a pretty direct route, get there, go in and whoop up and take over the land of Canaan. But God had to judge them for 40 years and make them wander in the wilderness one year for every day that they were in spying the land. I could go on and on and on. I must hasten. Let's look at these three areas of hurt. Number one, the past. Everybody look at me. I'm going to make a statement. It's going to be a very deep philosophical statement. The past cannot be changed. I don't care how people try to rewrite history. History is history. Well, that didn't happen quite like you think it did. Okay, what gives you the authority to change it when it was 150, 160, 200 years ago and you think you know better? What has already happened cannot be changed. You can put your hand in that baptistry full of water, but when you pull your hand out, it goes back to being a baptistry full of water and you didn't change how it is. You can't change the past. Many of you live with some regrets to bad decisions. Can I tell you something? You can't change the decision, but you can live forward. Can I tell you something? We've all made bad decisions. My wife made a bad decision 35, 34 years ago. She married me. I made a good one, but she didn't make such a good one. Now, wait a minute. We've all made bad decisions. The purpose of a bad decision is to teach you not to make the same decision. Do you know what the purpose of reading history is? To find out what did succeed and repeat it. To find out what failed and quit doing it. It was Ben Franklin who said, those who fail to learn from history are destined to repeat it. Guess what? We're getting ready to do some more repeating. Uh, <laughs> there are some things that we're supposed to learn because you made a bad decision. One day, my boys were out helping me. My wife and daughter were somewhere. And I had a bunch of big logs that needed split. And I didn't have the log splitter. You'll remember this day. And my, one of my boys had broken the sledgehammer. So all I had was one of those three-pound, you know, hammer-sized sledgehammers. I thought, great, I got a wedge. So I went out there and tank, 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 tank. I said, okay, boys, we're going to split some wood with this thing. And I'm over there, boom, boom. I wasn't thinking about it. I'm getting this stuff down in great big old logs, and all of a sudden I go, 
boom, and when I did that, I didn't hit it square. And it bounced off that wedge right into the top of that knee right there. I hit it with every bit of force I had. I remember hitting the ground. Do you remember that day? <laughs> I was rolling around. I didn't cry, but I was as close to it as a man could come. I got two boys that can't cry, but I want to so bad. Ah! My boys were like, Dad, you okay? Shut up. Let me get through this. <laughs> I tried to get up, and I fell down. I thought, man, I just, I just drove my knee through the back of my leg. It's gone. I didn't know what happened. I got two little boys. They said, help me get up. They had to walk me from the backyard into the house. I had to go get some ice, put it in a bag, and bring me some ice. Put it in a bag that does not leak, and bring me some ice. You know how you have to be with a boy, amen? Hey, buddy. Now, wait a minute. It was not a good decision to use a three-pound hammer, Brother Randy, to try to split wood. Do you know I've never used that three-pound hammer to split wood ever again? We've all made some pretty dumb decisions, amen? Now, the purpose of a bad decision is to learn. Do you think my boys took that three-pound hammer out and went splitting wood? Not on your life. They didn't want to split wood anyway. Watch this. Many of you live with bitterness. Do you know what bitterness is? Bitterness is either you or someone else made a bad decision and you won't let go of it. You won't let go of it. You blame everything that's going wrong now on that one bad decision. Well, I'm an alcoholic because my dad didn't take me to enough ball games when I was a kid. Mama didn't burp me right, so I, I'm a mass murderer. <laughs> Bitterness is a cancer that eats away joy. It also eats away success. Bitterness eats away your success as a human being. Bitterness is a trash bin that we pile all of our failure into and blame on that one thing. That's what modern psychology is. Well, let's find out what your childhood was like so we can find out why you're so angry and bitter. <laughs> Folks, I love you enough to tell you, I don't care how your mama burped you. I don't care if you didn't go to ball games as a kid or your dad wasn't around when you were had a, were a child or your mother forsook you it does not matter you have the right to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and make something of your life and quit blaming everybody else in your past do you know who you have to blame the one you look at in the mirror I love my dad sitting right back there but if I fail, it's not my dad's fault. If I make a bad decision, it's not his fault. 
I'll be 56 years old in just a couple weeks. I'm not going to blame my daddy because I made a bad decision. Everybody doing okay? Now hang on. Many live with an unfulfilled past and they want to go back and live the past. Okay, I'm fixing to hit you grandparents. Let me rephrase that. I'm fixing to hit us grandparents. You have good memories of when your children were small. Isn't it amazing how you forgot all the things you paddled them for? Oh, I didn't paddle my kids. Go ask your kids that question. Mm-hmm. We had plenty of board meetings at my house. It was applied to the seat of knowledge. You know, you have a good memory of the past. And you think all of life should be lived according to that one good memory. For instance, statements like this. Well, in the good old days. Yeah, the good old days, but I thank God I got a toilet that's on the inside of the building. I'm glad I've got air conditioning. Everybody doing all right? I'm glad I got heat. I'm glad I don't live in a tar paper shack. I'm glad I have a car and not a mule. I'm glad I don't have to crank my car to get it going. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Now, wait a minute. Yeah, you had some good memories from the past, but it doesn't mean that we can live that way now. Well, life would be a whole lot. Yeah, it was a whole lot easier, but that was the time of the Depression, too. It wasn't real easy back then. Everybody doing okay? Now, listen to me very carefully here. (laughs) I call it this way. Most of you adults have driven. All of you have been in a car. Did you know in the middle of your windshield, there's a little mirror there called the rear view mirror? That's for you to be looking behind to see where you've been and see what's coming up behind you, right? Here's what happens in life. People live looking in the rear view mirror. If you never looked out your windshield, but all you did was look in your rear view mirror, you're going to crash real soon, aren't you? And we wonder why people crash their lives because all they're doing is looking in the rear view mirror. They're looking at what was, not what's coming up. They live in a past that they cannot go back and be in, wishing they had what they just passed, and they're about to crash in their present and rob where they would be in the future. Quit living your life looking in the rearview mirror. Well, I just wish my kids were little again. Not me. I don't want to change stupid diapers. I don't want to get barfed on all the time. Well, they were just such sweet babies. Yeah, you didn't say that at 2 o'clock in the morning. And 3 o'clock in the morning. And 4 o'clock in the morning. What am I going to do with this kid? Y'all remember those days? Uh Uh-huh. It wasn't all as good as you thought it was. Don't live your life in the past. Whether it was good or whether it was bad. Quit 
living in the past. Quit wishing you had the past. Quit wish, quit regretting that you did have a past. It's over. What are you going to do with it? One of the biggest hurts we have in this room, there are people in this room, you are so hurt over the past. Well, somebody said something to me. Oh, come here, let me burp you. Well, if I wouldn't have done this, I would, oh, well, too bad, you already done it. Not good grammar, but it's good preaching. <laughs> As I affectionately say, when you hear, watch this, y'all, look out, duck. You made too many of those, watch this, y'all, statements, and now look what happened. You regret it. So, the first area of hurt is our past. Next, by the way, that's why God says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. God says, forget what's back there. Use it as a reference from time to time, but don't live looking in the rearview mirror. Watch this. But there are people here that you're regretting your present. You're not living your present life properly. Did you know you're not supposed to live just for the next meal? You're not to live to the next paycheck to try to keep everybody from calling you? Ouch. Trouble is you won't use the lessons from the past to take care of the present. Amazes me I'll help somebody get out of debt and first thing to do is go run up credit card debt. Now, folks, they help you get out of debt, stay out of debt. You can't keep doing the same recipe and come out with a different product. Did you know if you plant corn, you're not going to get taters? I know that's a hard concept. Did you know there's only one way to fix a financial problem? Either make more money or spend less. Those are the only two ways to fix a problem. And if you do both at the same time, you'll get to where you want to be faster. Okay, I went from preaching to meddling. You want to spend everything you have today and don't think of tomorrow. There's a lot of life left. Well, I don't plan on, uh, I plan on the Lord coming back. Yeah, I know a lot of people, I've done their funerals that said the very same thing. And the Lord still hadn't come back yet. God says if we don't provide for our family, we're worse than an infidel. God was talking to the man, by the way. We live to have bigger houses then both parents have to work full time and nobody spends time in the house. And when they are, they're fussing and feuding over the bills at the house. Get a smaller house, live within your means. We live for the present pleasure. I'm, I'm going to say it the only way I know how to say it. I'm not real smart, I guess, but... Uh, we, we, we have people who live for their emotions. Well, this just makes me feel. Well, there are some feelings. It might be a good feeling, but it's not going to be good forever. 
Well, it makes me tingle. I've watched kids potty training that tingled, and it wasn't a good experience. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Did you know your emotions aren't supposed to dictate what you do? Isn't it amazing they put the candy at the level where a child can reach it sitting in the shopping cart at the checkout? I wonder how many of you spent 100 bucks just at the cash register area because of that. Not at one time, but over the years. Why? Well, I want, I want, I want. You, you get mad at your children when they were little. Well, I want this, I want this, I want this, and yet you live your life as an adult. Well, I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that. Ouch. These are people who have play and pleasure and entertainment as a priority over work and right relationships. Folks, I love to hunt. I do. I enjoy hunting. Come to my office. Got my turkey tails in there. Just shot gobbler this year. I've got several deer heads in there. I enjoy hunting. But if hunting took the place of a relationship with my wife or my children, I'll sell my guns and have the relationship with my wife and kids. I ain't sleeping in the bed with a dead deer. <laughs> ain't happening. Mm-mm. Y'all doing okay? I happen to believe that the relationships are far more important than the pleasures. There are people who procrastinate and hate planning and hate schedules and hate budgets. Well, I just live a more spontaneous life. No, that's flying by the seat of your britches and eventually what's inside them britches is going to hang out. You drag bottom long enough, bottom's going to fall out. Well, I just believe in spontaneity. No, what you're saying is you don't have the character to plan. Did you know living by a budget takes character? Do you know getting out of debt takes character? Instead of going to sheets and... I'm trying to name some stores that somebody didn't mention this morning... Uh, going to Dairy Queen or going to Sonic or going to wherever. It's amazing how many people are in trouble financially, but they go out to eat three, four, five, six times a week. Well, the first thing you do is cut that. Then you find out what you don't have to have. I'm not talking, if you don't use it more than once or twice a year, you don't need it. Sell it. Some of you have thousands and thousands of dollars that you could pay off debt if you just clean out your shed or your garage or your basement. Ouch. Brother Wiley, you're in trouble. I heard that. Amen. Yeah, buddy. But it's amazing. If you're in financial, tr- listen to me, if you're in financial trouble, I'd be getting rid of what I don't need. I can't tell you how many times I've sold guns just to buy Christmas gifts for my kids or my wife. Guns I wanted. But they were more important than a stupid gun. Everybody doing okay? Well, I got to have it. You spend $300 on a tool you used one time, and it's been sitting there ever since. And you, Well, I might need it again in 
2050 or something, yeah, sell it. Shouldn't have bought it, rent it. Well, uh, if I rent it, I, I can spend two, twice as much and then I've always got it. That's a great deal. Yeah, somebody just sold you a wooden nickel for $3. <laughs> so one of the things that hurt us is the past. Something that hurts us often is the present. We're only living for today. Lastly, the future. Please listen to this next statement. These are people who manipulate all they do to get what they want. These are people who manipulate everything they can to get what they want in the future. These are folks who will not let God or life change what they want. I'm going to use something very personal. I won't take long. When I was about nine years old, I contracted a hip disease and I had to be in the hospital for three weeks in traction and then I wore a stiff-legged brace for two years. All the weight from my left leg was transferred across my pelvis, my back, to my right leg and for two years I never took a step on my left leg. I had a disease called uh, calvaperthes in the hip. I knew at the age of nine when Bobby Johnson from Camp Baptist Temple came to visit me in the hospital as a child, he walked away and I looked lying on my back and I said, God, I wonder if I could help somebody day, somebody someday feel that good in a hospital because I visit them. And God put into my heart something that was actually the, the seed of a call to preach. By the age of 13, four years later, I was fighting it. Rebelling every which way I could. My mom and dad helped me take a missions trip to Mexico. I didn't know I was going to get preached at. Over and over and over and over and over and over every day. Finally, after about three or four days, I said, God, that's it. I can't take it. I knelt at an old-fashioned altar and surrendered my life to do whatever God wanted. July 31st, 1980. Jumped up, snot, slinging, tears dripping. My youth pastor looked at me and said, good, you're preaching on the bus tomorrow. <laughs> Tell you what, I love sports. Realized as a senior in high school in a small Christian school, I was playing a ball game one day and they were waiting on public schools to play. A couple of scouts came over and watched us play and I had pitched that night. Pitched five and a half no-hit innings. Man walked up to me. Two, two guys walked up. One from the Kansas City Royals, the other for the Cleveland Indians. They were scouts. Both of them handed me pieces of paper offering me uh, the ability to go into double-A baseball right out of high school, skip college. At that time, $70,000 was a lot, especially for a high school kid. I didn't have any sense. I went to my preacher, six foot four, 235 pounds. I was five foot eight, 105 pounds. I said, preacher, 
I was out playing ball the other day, and these guys, they offered me, and he looked at me, and he said, and he had a real deep voice, Craig, God call you to preach? Yes, sir. So what's your question? I went through the same story again. Craig, God call you to preach? Yes, sir. What's your question? About halfway through the third time, he said, Craig, what's your question? If God called you to preach, what are you asking me for? Got it, preacher. Took those pieces of paper, had them in my Bible, tore them up, put them on his desk, turned around, walked away, went to Bible college that fall. I love sports. I've met Nolan Ryan, witnessed to him. His son Reed was playing single-A ball in Charleston, South Carolina, at Charleston River Dogs game. I talked to Nolan, found out he got saved at the age of 10 down in Texas. I've met Tommy Lasorda. I've talked to some of the, one of the most vile human beings in the world I ever met was Tommy Lasorda. Asked him if he knew for sure he was going to heaven. He said, Reverend, baseball's my God. Besides, I'm Catholic. If that doesn't get me to heaven, I guess I'm going to burn in hell. I said, yes, you are. Then he cussed me out. Huh. But can I tell you something? You say, well, look, look at all you gave up. I didn't give up anything. I decided to let God have what God wanted, and he's done a whole lot more with, with me than I ever thought I could do. Why don't you quit playing God with life? Why, do you, why don't we quit manipulating what is in hopes of getting something later? That's what these parents are with public sports. They want their kid to be the second coming of the next sports hero that they couldn't be on their own. Because sports is their God. There are people so focused on their life that they don't care about eternity. Now listen to me very carefully here. Most serious part of the sermon's right here. I'm more concerned about your future than many of you are. I'm concerned about your eternity. I'm not talking about the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. I'm talking about the next million years. I decided I would live my life focused on eternity, helping every human being I possibly could to get focused on something far greater than what's here on this earth. You will die one day, and so will I. Then what? The old statement, I've never seen a hearse pull a U-Haul trailer. You ain't taking it with you. Can I tell you something? What's going to happen when you take your last breath here? Oh, I'm concerned about what you're doing here. I'm concerned about your past and your present. But what about your future? What about your eternity? I'm not talking about the next uh, meal. I'm not talking about the next year. I'm not talking about your schooling. I'm talking about your eternity. That is by far the most important thing. I don't live just for this world. I live with eternity in view. That song, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. 
My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, yeah. How about we learn to live thinking about eternity? Some of us grandparents need to realize eternity is closer than it ever was. I realize I got less years ahead than I have behind. I realize that I don't have decades and decades and decades and decades ahead of me. In two decades, I'll be 75 plus years old. Everybody doing okay? Wait a minute. In 20 years, he'll be younger than him. Boy, that ought to make you feel old. (laughs) Now, wait a minute. 20 years. Oh, that's a long time, preacher. Some of us that are middle-aged or older say, 20 years, that ain't very long. Good night, 20 years. Uh, 20 years ago, I was still middle-aged. Uh-huh. Now think through that for a second. Boy, every year that passes, they, they pass faster. Maybe we ought to live with eternity in view and not try to manipulate the future. Let's quit trying to manufacture the future and let's live for eternity. Some of you regret your past to the point where you won't forgive somebody. You won't forgive yourself. You're angry and bitter at somebody that did something 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago. Can I tell you something? I'm not going to let what somebody said 20 years ago cause me to be fouled up today. Just because they got a bad attitude doesn't mean they need to ruin my life. Some of you are only living for today and you're not planning for tomorrow. Some of you are more concerned about how you feel today than how you're going to feel in the future. You'll settle for the tingle now, but then you're going to be in divorce court later. The past, the present, and the future. I love what the Bible says. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. How about we press for the mark that's out there? How about we press for eternity? How about we press for what God wants in that book right there? I can tell you something. You can have all the money in the world put in your bank account, but when you die, you're not going to be happy. You can die rich, you can die poor. Doesn't matter. But how you've lived your life is what's going to count. Some of you need to forget the past. Some of you need to forgive the past. Some of you need to quit planning to live just for today. Some of you need to live for the future and live. All of us need to focus on what's in eternity. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. Please give everybody the respect they deserve for just a moment here. Who'd say, preacher? I, 
I am 100% sure. I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I know if I died today, I am 100% sure I'd go to heaven when I die. Would you raise your hand? God bless you. You can put your hands down. Who'd say, preacher, if I died today, I don't know for sure I've trusted Jesus. I don't know that for sure I'd go to heaven. I'll not call you out. I'll not call your name. I won't embarrass you. But you say, preacher, that's me. I'm not sure. Would you raise your hand? All right. Who'd say, preacher, somewhere in that sermon, something I needed today. Would you raise your hand? Oh, my soul, scores and scores and scores of hands.